0: Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. In today's message, Dr. Forrest presents part four of his teaching on "Healing for the Brokenhearted."
1: Well, before we get started, I've got a nice little graphic here that really blessed me, C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite authors. Amen, he said, "You are never too old to set another goal or to dream a new dream." Amen, isn't that wonderful? And it kind of pertains to what we talked about last week, but also some of what we're going to talk about today, how that time sometimes seems to erode our confidence in God's ability to bring His Word to pass in our lives. Amen. Hallelujah. So this is the fourth session on healing for the brokenhearted, and we're going to continue through next Sunday, and we'll wrap it up next Sunday. Sessions one and two, we talked about some of the causes of a broken heart or a wounded soul words were spoken against you. You were rejected by your family or by your peers. Uh, People that you knew and trusted weren't there for you. They let you down. They weren't there for you when you needed them the most. Christian people. How about this one? Christian leaders treated you horribly and did you wrong. Amen. These are all causes of a wounded soul and a broken heart and then we talked about in session three we introduced another common cause for a broken heart and this is where we're going to be camping this is where we started last Sunday and we're going to actually this will be the second and there'll be a third Sunday dedicated to this because this is so endemic in the body of Christ I felt like I really need to major on this to end this series dreams that once burned deeply in your heart seem lost or unfulfilled And your heart is broken. you got a dream in your heart that you know God gave you, but the passage of time, the circumstances of life, and the mistakes that you've made have convinced you that God cannot bring it to pass. Amen? Regardless of the cause, your dreams seem lost and your heart is broken. Proverbs 13, 12. This is in the New Living Translation. Captures this sentiment really beautifully, I think. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. In the Good News translation, it says it like this. When hope is crushed, the heart is crushed. But a wish come true fills you with joy. Amen. Psalm 147, verse 3. This is in the New King James Version. This has been one of our foundational texts. This is a prophetic statement about Jesus. It says, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. If you break it down in the the Hebrew, you could say it like this. He puts together the broken pieces of your crushed heart and binds up your sorrows. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? And as we've already alluded to, one of the reasons that you may be suffering from a crushed heart is that dreams seem lost to you. So last week we gave you four reasons that dreams seem lost to us. Number one, it's been so long since you received your dream, it seems like time is running out. Number two, the circumstances of your life say there's no way your dream will ever come to pass. Number three, you tried to make things happen and the mistakes you made only made things worse. How many Would raise their hand if you've done that. I won't ask for a show of hands. Number four, you missed it so badly that you believe there's no way to recover and your dream is lost forever. Now, three and four kind of go together and we're going to tackle three and four next week. But we're going to spend some time on number two. The circumstances of your life say there's no way your dream will ever come to pass. If you're a believer... If you've got a God-given dream planted in your heart and you'll be faithful to that calling, i want to say this at the very outset. There's plenty of time for God to bring to pass everything that He plans to do in and through you. I know we don't think that because we don't think about time the right way. And the bulk of last week's message was this. Time is really not your enemy, folks. Time is your friend. Time is on your side. Amen? Because it doesn't matter. We illustrated with the life of Elisha. It doesn't matter whether you die and pass from this life to the next. Elisha showed us last week that dreams, some dreams, will actually follow you into the next life. If for some reason they weren't fulfilled in this life, God will not forget your dream. Your life will continue, and your dream will ultimately be fulfilled if you'll be faithful to your gifts and callings. Amen. If you'll do what you can do, God will always come through. Amen. Hallelujah. Hebrews eleven thirteen said. Hebrews 11, 11, that's a good passage of scripture. Hebrews 11, it's about all the teenagers that walked in faith in the Bible. Hebrews eleven thirteen 13 says that there were actually saints who died in faith, never receiving the promise. What the heck does that mean? What does it mean to die in faith? Well, what it means is, you know, what we talked about with Elisha. It seemed like some of the promises that were made to some of those people went with them to their grave. Amen. But listen, I want to tell you, it ain't over until it's over. And we don't need a fat lady to sing, because we're Bible believers. It ain't over till God says it's over. Amen? And listen, those people, when we come back to planet Earth, they're going to get brand new bodies along with us, and they're going to rule and reign on the Earth for a thousand years and then some. And there's plenty of time during that era for God to fulfill the promises that weren't fulfilled in their first life. Not to mention the fact that there were promises fulfilled and promises that will be fulfilled while they're in heaven before they come back. World without end, actually, that scripture means time without end. Amen. That's why you need to say amen. There is time without end. Amen. And so many preachers, and I'm going to get on my soapbox, they say, well, in the heavenly realm, there is no time. You can't find that in the Bible. What they're trying to say is there's going to be so much time that will kind of cease to have meaning. It will no longer be an enemy. It will no longer stop you from doing anything because there'll be more time than you could ever handle forever and ever and ever. We need to change our paradigm and think that way about time. That was last week's message. Sorry, I preached it again to you in the. Little five-minute Reader's Digest condensed version there. But, you know, amen, hallelujah, glory to God. So back to number two. The circumstances of your life say there's no way your dream will ever come to pass. Amen. I'm going to use some examples from the life of Joseph, King David, and Jacob. Amen. So stay with me. Remember when we read a lot of Scripture, it's story time with Dr. Scott. It's okay. It's church. We can read Scripture. Genesis chapter 37, verse 5 through 10 in the New Living Translation. One night, Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Remember, they were seething with jealousy because he was their father's favorite. One night, Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field, tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly my bundle stood up, and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. His brothers responded, So you think you will be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. Soon Joseph had another dream. And again, he told his brothers about it. Listen, I have had another dream. He said, the sun, moon, and 11 stars bowed low before me. Now, Joseph had a father and a mother and 11 brothers, so it was kind of easy to interpret this dream. This time, he told the dream to his father as well as to his brothers. But his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that, he asked. Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you. But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dreams meant. Amen. He knew something was up. He just couldn't put his finger on it. Here we read that Joseph received two dreams from the Lord when he was 17 years old. And in both dreams, God showed him that he would be exalted to a position of authority and leadership even over his own family. And it was not well received by his family. And it did not go well with Joseph as a result. They threw him in a pit. Then Potiphar put him in prison. He got pitted, potted, and putted. Amen. I borrowed that from a creature. A creature <laughs> A creature preacher. I borrowed that from an old preacher. I think it's a real corny line, but I wanted to put it in there anyway. It will be in the podcast, I promise you. Psalm 105, verse 17 through 19 in the King James Version, very, very instructive, very much looking into the ordeal that Joseph endured all those years. Uh, It starts here in verse 17. He sent a man before them, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant whose feet they hurt with fetters, he was laid in iron. Until the time that his word came, the word of the Lord tried him. Let me read that to you again. Until the time that his word came, the word of the Lord tried him. Joseph had many occasions over the years to doubt the word of the Lord would ever come to pass in his life. Here we see that the time he spent in prison, wrongfully accused by Potiphar's wife, tested and tried him to the depths of his soul. And it made him wonder if his dreams were ever going to come to pass. Would he believe the word of the Lord or would he look at the shackles and see the lesions and the the cuts and the bruises on his ankles and feel the pain? Would he put more stock in that? Than the word of the Lord. You know, it was a dark, dank, smelly, painful experience for Joseph. And there must have been many nights when he said, Lord, is my dream ever going to come to pass? Remember the dreams you gave me? I believe you gave me those dreams. Are they ever going to come to pass? Because it sure looks like that they're not. Amen. So the word of the Lord tried him and tested him and indeed if you know the whole story if you study it out it was 13 years after Joseph received his dreams from the Lord 13 years before he saw any positive change in his circumstances 13 years and it was another 9 years before things began to turn before the word of the Lord was completely fulfilled And his family came and bowed in obeisance to him as the prime minister of Egypt. Amen. But you know what I know about Joseph? Even though he was tested and tried, he never let go of his dream from God. Amen. He never let go. Now, there's one more thing I want to point out concerning this passage, and I believe it's significant. Notice that verse 19 mentions the word of the Lord that came to Joseph. But in Genesis 37, it says that that word came in the form of two dreams. I'm mindful of Genesis 15, 1, where it says that Abram received a vision. It says the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. So I want you to know that many times the word of the Lord will come to you in the form of a vision or a dream. Nevertheless, it is still a valid word from God. I call them sometimes pictures of victory that you can hold on to when times get tough. When Joseph was in that prison, he looked at those pictures of victory. I believe he remembered every detail of both of those dreams to the uttermost. And when he felt like they weren't going to come to pass, he visualized those dreams that God gave to him. They were pictures of victory for him. He hung on to them. He never let go of them. And eventually they came to pass in his life. Amen. That's what we got to do. We got to do the same thing. If God gives you a word through a vision or a dream, you got to say, no matter how much time has passed, no matter what the circumstances say, you got to say, be it unto me according to your word, Lord. Be it unto me according to what you spoke to me in a dream or what you gave me in a vision. Hold on to your pictures of victory until you see it come to pass. Amen. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's talk about King David for a few minutes. King David had many occasions where it seemed that his life would be snuffed out. And the promise that he would one day be king would never be fulfilled. He spent a lot of years, many years in exile in the land of his enemy, in the land of the Philistines, most of the time on the run from King Saul, who had sworn he was going to hunt him down and kill him. And there were a couple of close calls where David almost didn't make it. So trust me, David had many times when he felt like, lights out is upon me and the promise of God will not be fulfilled. But you know what? He said, Psalm 119, verse 49 and 50, You know, some of the newer scholars say that this was written by Ezra. But the old scholars and the Hebrew rabbis say this psalm was authored by David. Even though his name is not on it, it's written all over that psalm. Okay, so I am preaching it with the conviction that it was written by David. Psalm 119, 49 and 50 in the King James Version. Remember the word unto thy servant upon which thou hast caused me to hope. This is my comfort in my affliction, for thy word hath quickened me. Amen. Here King David tells us what he did when he was feeling hopeless, when he was depressed, when it looked like he would never be king. He said, Lord, remember your word to me. Remember the prophet Samuel. He anointed me with oil. Out of all the sons of Jesse, he picked me and said I would be the next king of Israel. Lord, remember your word to me. It comforts me to say it. And it brings life and refreshing to my soul. It's okay to remind the Lord of the word that he gave you. In fact, we're going to find out here in a minute. He actually asks us to do that. Amen. And listen, I want to give you some context here on David. He also had to wait a long time for his dream to be fulfilled. It was 13 years. If you estimate he was about 17 when he killed Goliath. It was 13 years before the word of the Lord was even partially fulfilled in his life. 13 years later, when when David was 30 years old, the tribes of Judah and Benjamin asked him to be their king. But it was another seven years before the other 10 tribes came to him and said, we want you to be our king too. We want you to be king over all Israel. So a total of 20 years From the time he received his word from the Lord, before it was fulfilled, and trust me, he had many times to doubt the word of the Lord in his life. But he always held fast to the word of the Lord. He said, Lord, remember the word you spoke to me. I'm not going to forget it. I'm not going to let you forget it. Be it unto me according to your word. Glory to God. You know what's fascinating to me? these, These Bible patriarchs, they were Old Testament saints. They weren't filled with the Holy Ghost like we are. They weren't born again like we are. They didn't have the word of God that we have. We have all the resources and all the power, so we have no excuse for not matching the faith of these Bible patriarchs. That's my opinion. Amen. Glory to God. Let's talk about Jacob. Genesis 32, 11 and 12 in the New Living Translation. I'll fill in some of the background after we read it. This is Jacob speaking. Oh Lord, please rescue me from the hand of my brother Esau. I am afraid that he is coming to attack me, along with my wives and children. But you promised me I will surely treat you kindly, and I will multiply your descendants until they become as numerous as the sands along the seashore, too many to count. Once again, the man of God is reminding God of his promise to him. Amen. Here, Jacob encounters his older brother Esau with an army of 400 men. And he feels like that the promise of God and his life and the life of his wives and children are about to be snuffed out. And the promise of God will be unfulfilled. Remember, Jacob had stolen Esau's rightful birthright and blessing. And he swore that he would hunt down Jacob and kill him. Many years had passed since he said that, but Jacob didn't have any reason to doubt that he felt that way currently, that he still held a grudge against his younger brother. So he thinks that Esau is coming to destroy him. And he might have been until the Lord intervened. He might have been until he reminded the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob of his promises to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Amen. And I believe because he did, disaster was averted. Amen. So what did Jacob do when it looked like his life was in danger? His whole family would be destroyed and the word of the Lord would not be fulfilled. He did the same thing that David did. Lord, remember the word you gave unto me. you got to be faithful. If Esau comes in here and destroys my family, your word will be unfulfilled. Therefore, I believe you will deliver me out of the hand of my brother. Now, it doesn't say that per se in the Bible, but you got to know that was his heart. That's why he was reminding the Lord of his word unto him. Listen, if you got a word from God, remind the Lord what he spoke to you. I don't care how many years have passed since you got that word. That's irrelevant in the mind of God. I don't care what the circumstances say. Somebody might say to you, "You got million to one odds against you." You need to be like Lloyd Christmas and say, "So you're saying there's a chance?" you got to look at the positive side of things. Amen. Some of you saw Dumb and Dumber and you got that. Amen. Hallelujah. I encourage you to be like these Bible patriarchs. And remember your word from the Lord. Amen. And remind God of the word that he spoke to you on a regular basis. It's not arrogant. It's not rude. Because God actually asked us to do it through the prophet Isaiah. Listen to this scripture. Isaiah 62, verse 6, in the Amplified Classic Version. I have set watchmen upon your walls. If you study that out, that's prophetic watchmen. I have set watchmen upon your walls, O Jerusalem, who will never hold their peace day or night. You who are his servants, and by your prayers, Put the Lord in remembrance of His promises. Keep not silence. Amen. It is perfectly scriptural for you to remind the Lord of His word to you. Whether it's a word you found in the scripture or a word He gave you by the Spirit, it's okay. It's scriptural to say, Lord, this is the word you gave unto me. Now be it unto me according to your word. Don't be shy. Put Him in remembrance. Listen, don't be ugly to God, you know, I'm not saying that, but be bold. You know, it says we can boldly come to the throne of grace to find help in time of need. You can go to the same throne and say, Lord, you promised me this. You showed it to me in a vision. Be it unto me according to your word. Be it unto me according to what you showed me. Every jot and tittle be fulfilled in Jesus' name. In my own life, I've had many occasions to doubt the promises that God has made unto me, and I'm sure you have as well. But he gave me a word from the throne of God on March twentieth, two 2005, that I have never forgotten. It was a supernatural encounter where I was caught up before the throne of God in the night, and the Lord gave me a word. He gave me a word from the throne of God. How'd you like to receive a word from the throne of God? It was awesome. He said this, today I say unto you, I will fulfill the promise that I made unto you. I will be true to the word that I spoke over you. I will not abandon you. I will be true to my word. I mean, it shook me to my core that the Lord God himself prophesied over me. And after I got over that, after I came out of this vision, I was immediately curious. I was wondering, it seemed peculiar to me, why he said, I will not abandon you. I liked every other part of it but that, because I didn't feel like I was abandoned. In fact, at that point in my life, everything was going great. I mean, I was hitting on all cylinders moving forward with the dreams that God had placed in my life. But he said, I'll remember the word. I will not forsake you. I will not abandon you. Little did I know that two months later, the bottom would drop out on several fronts in my life. That old familiar feeling started rising up in me, and I felt dreams slipping through my fingers. And I knew why the Lord had spoken to me so powerfully in such a wonderful encounter. Sometimes when you get a word from the Lord like that, it's because he wants you to take that word and hunker down so you'll be able to survive the season that is ahead. He wants to give you something to hold on to. So even to this day, 14 years later, I'm still holding on to that picture of victory. I'm still reminding the Lord, Lord, you spoke to me in that vision, March 20th, 2005, and you said you'd be faithful to the promise that you made unto me. You said you would not abandon me. You said you'd be true to your word. Lord, be it unto me according to what you said. Amen. And you know what? When I do that, It comforts my soul. It brings life and refreshing to my soul. It brings hope to the forefront that my dream will come to pass. No matter how many years have passed, no matter what the circumstances say, no matter what people say, no matter who opposes you, no matter your mistakes, God will be faithful to his word to you If you will hold fast to it, if you will hold fast to it, amen, hallelujah, glory to God, hallelujah. So let me wrap it up by saying this, whether it was a word from God, a word from the scriptures, a word through a dream or a vision, I encourage you to do the same thing that these patriarchs did. I encourage you to do the same thing that I did. Hold fast to your word from the Lord. Never let it go. Have that bulldog tenacity and hold on to your bone until you see it come to pass. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to wrap this session up with a scripture that has brought much comfort as I've chased my dreams from God throughout the years. And it may seem kind of obscure at first, but I will explain it. Psalm 56, verse 8, in the New King James Version. David says, you number my wanderings, put my tears into your bottle. Are they not in your book? Psalm 56, verse 8, in the message says it like this, and I love this. You've kept track of my every toss and turn through the sleepless nights, each tear entered in your ledger, each ache written in your book. I'll tell you, it gets to me. You know, sometimes we toss and turn and we shed tears in the night. We ache for what we consider to be dreams that are lost forever. But let me leave you with these comforting thoughts, and I've said this before, some of you heard this before, but I'll say it again. If He's got your tears in a bottle, then trust me, He's got your dreams in His hand. Amen? Amen.
0: We hope you enjoyed Part 4 of Dr. Forrest's teaching on Healing for the Brokenhearted. If you are in the Wilmington area and are looking for a place to worship, come join us. On Sunday at 10 a.m. for coffee and fellowship, 10.30 for worship and service, and on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. for Spirit-Filled Prayer. If you would like to learn more about us, access more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, and find Dr. Forrest's in-depth teaching notes, visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faithlife Wilmington.